Hey, church, I've got good news for you today. You need some good news, right? Here it is, ready? We have made it halfway through 2020, yes! It's exactly how you thought it would go, right? This is how you drew it up. Come on, who had global pandemic on their bingo card? Raise your hand. What a weird year. I told my wife last week, I said, we're gonna wake up soon from all this, right? Like this is a dream, this can't actually be happening the way things are going right now. This can't actually be the way 2020 is going. So we're gonna wake up and we're gonna go back to normal. Whatever normal is, we're gonna wake up and get back to real life. I feel like I'm living in some sort of computer simulation or something. What a strange year. And you know what I keep hearing? And I've said it a lot too, but I keep hearing this. I just want to get back to normal. I just want things to be normal again. So there are this, this group of people in the Bible who, this is their complaint. We just want things to get back to normal. These people are called the Israelites. And up until 60 days ago, the Israelites were slaves in Egypt until God comes in and he miraculously rescues them. In fact, he parts the Red Sea and a few million people walk out of Egypt. They walk to freedom. And now they're living in the Sinai Desert and everything's going pretty good. They have everything that they need. God is providing food for them every day and they have water and they have shelter. But their complaint is, you know, we just really want to get back to normal. We want things to be normal again. And it's kind of funny because their normal is actually being slaves. They were enslaved in Egypt. But there's something about normal that's comfortable. There's something about normal that's it's familiar. And this is all their ancestors and their people had known for the last 400 years was being slaves in Egypt. That was normal. And so when God came in and he rescues them from Egypt, at first it's really exciting. It's fun. It's new. It's, it's fresh. Those first few days, that first week, even that first month, it was so exciting. They were going to the promised land, this place they dreamed of. They had heard all about this land of abundant blessing. And they were just living on faith, white, hot faith that God was taking them there. But now it's been a couple months they just want to get back to normal. Things are, you know, they're just starting to take too long. You know that feeling, right? When something takes too long, this COVID thing has taken way too long. Rewind, go back to March. And they told us, okay, we're going to stay home for a couple of weeks. Kind of flatten the curve, right? And we all thought, all right, it's, it's going to be a struggle, but we can do that. A couple of weeks go by, we're into April. And it's like, okay, we got to stay home a little bit longer, but there's, there's light at the end of the tunnel. Now it's July. This is taking way too long. Today I want to talk about what do we do when God is taking too long. So if you got a Bible with you, get it out, turn it on. Exodus chapter 20 is where we're going to be. Exodus chapter 20. And, and you know this feeling when something is taking too long. And you're kind of starting to wonder, like, God, why is it taking so long? God, why is it taking so long for me to advance in my career? I've paid my dues. When am I going to get that promotion? God, when am I going to find a job? It's taking so long. God, why is it taking so long? I just wanted to start a family. Why is it taking so long for my kids to, to come back to the faith that I taught them? 
Why is it taking so long, God, for you to cure my illness? Why is it taking so long, God, for you to take away my cancer? So we're gonna talk about what do you do when it takes God longer than you think it should to act? So we're in this series, and we're going through the Ten Commandments. We call it Life is a Highway. And we said, when you think about the Ten Commandments, what do you think of? Sometimes I think of, like, I don't know, old, you know, just rules and laws, kind of ritualistic, these ancient stuffy kind of laws, God sitting on his throne and decreeing these, these rules to us. But we said that's not really what the Ten Commandments are. The Ten Commandments are to protect us. They're to guide us. They're like guardrails on a highway because God doesn't want us to put life in the ditch. He doesn't want us to go over the edge of the cliff. And so he gives us guardrails to protect us. Because as we've been going through the Ten Commandments, we've learned something about God's character, that he actually loves us, that he actually wants good things for us, and he's on our side. And so he wants us to have all this freedom in life, but he wants us to be safe. And so he gives us these guardrails called the Ten Commandments to protect us. And they're not rules, but they're because God loves us. Remember how he started the Ten Commandments? It wasn't with a list of don't do this and don't do this and don't do this. God starts by saying, I'm your God. I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. He's saying, hey, it's me. You know me. You can trust me. I want good things for you. And it's from there that God lays out the commandments, that he gives us these guardrails. So today we're going to look at the second commandment, the second guardrail. And we're going to try and answer this question, what do we do when God is taking too long? So here we go. The second commandment, Exodus 20, verse 4. Here's what it says. God speaking, he says, You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. And you shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. So God is talking about idol worship, right? Don't make for yourself any image, any likeness, any idols, any statues of anything in the sky or on earth or in the waters below, and don't bow down to those things. Now, before you check out on me, before you like change the channel because we don't make statues, we don't make idols anymore. I know what you're thinking. I don't have any statues, any rocks in my backyard that I worship. Before you check out on me, I wanna look at why do people make idols? Because I think that might resonate with us. So stick with me. But God is telling the Israelites, don't make any idols. Don't make any images, any statues, any carvings of anything that's flying in the sky, of anything that's living in the waters, or anything that's, that's roaming the earth. Don't make any idols. Now, why is he telling them this? Well, remember, they're coming out of Egypt. And in Egypt, the Egyptians worship many gods, and they make statues, they make idols of their gods, and they bow down to them, and they sacrifice to them, and they worship them. So 
You've got all these gods. In Egypt, you've got one god. You've got sort of the king of the gods. This god, Ray, has uh, uh, the head of a falcon and is holding the sun. This is the sun god. You've got another one. It's the body of a man, the head of a jackal. You've probably seen this one, Anubis. These are some of the gods they have. And they had many gods, but they would make statues out of these gods and they would worship them. So when God calls the Israelites out of Egypt, he's like, don't do this. Don't live like that. Don't do that anymore. Don't make idols. Don't make images and call them God. And you know, it's almost, I don't know, it's almost kind of funny to us that anyone would bow down to a rock statue or some kind of idol, some kind of stone or carved structure. It's so outside the world that, that we live in, in modern day in the West, that it seems sort of funny to us. But you know, it reveals something. It kind of says something about how God has wired us. You see, God made every one of us, you, me, every human being from the beginning of time, he made us to worship. Like it's hardwired in us that we're going to worship something or someone. Now, of course, God wants us to worship him, but he loves us, and so he gave us lots of freedom, and so he wants us to choose whether or not to worship him. But in the absence of worshiping God, we will find something to worship, whether it's a statue or it's another person or it's ourselves or it's something entirely different. We will find something to worship. We will build an idol. See, an idol is, is anything that we worship other than God. So in Egypt, it's stone statues. Throughout the world today, there are places where it might be a, a golden shrine of, of Buddha, for example. In the New Testament, Paul talks about the people in Rome, and he says that they have exchanged the glory of God for images resembling created things. So they had built statues, monuments, idols to created things, to animals, to the sun and the moon and the stars. Why? Because we're made to worship. And so we're always going to find something or someone to worship. And so God is telling the Israelites, hey, don't, don't do that. Don't make these idols. Don't build idols and statues and call them gods. And he actually tells them why. Look just a little bit further. We read it. He says, because I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Now, we don't really have a good English word that, that captures that, that jealousy word. When we hear that, we think of like, well, if you ever had a jealous boyfriend or girlfriend, right? And somebody who's like creeping outside of your house, waiting for you to get home and monitoring all your moves. It's not like that. God's not like that, okay? God is saying, I have no rivals. There's no one, there's no one like me. And so he's saying, why would you worship a rock that, you know, you put together and you make it in the shape of a dog or something. Like, why would you worship that statue when you can worship me, the one who made the rock? I mean, again, these are guardrails because God wants good things for us. It's not God going, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. Guardrails to protect us, to keep us safe. And you know, they're not just for us. These guardrails protect people around us? Did you catch that part about punishing sin to future generations? When you, when you read that, what did you hear? 
Sounds kind of unfair, right? Sounds a little bit weird. Why would I be punished for the sins that my parents committed? Well, let me ask you this. The way that, the way that your parents lived, does that have any impact on you? Or if you have kids, the way that you live, does that impact your kids? Well, yeah, of course it does. So if these Israelites are, are bowing down before idols, before statues, God's like, that's setting a precedent. That's creating a legacy. People are watching you. Your kids, especially the future generations, they're watching you. If you bow down to some statue, guess what they're going to do? They're going to bow down to some statue. If you miss out on worshiping the one true God, guess what? They're going to worship Miss out on worshiping that one true God. He's going, you, you know, you and I, we have access to the God of the universe, the author of everything, the one who knows the number of our days. Why would we settle for worshiping some rocks that we form in the shape of, you know, an animal or something from nature? Why, when we can worship the God who made nature? Jordan talked a little bit last week. He said all these other gods they're counterfeit gods. But God is the real deal. He's the real thing. So the idea that someone would bow down, would worship a statue of something, I mean, honestly, like it's, it's kind of dumb, right? It doesn't really make any sense. We have access to the real God. Why would we build an idol? Why would we worship something else? So I want to try and answer answer that question. Let's see if we can get to that. Flip over to Exodus 32. I'll give you a second to get there. Exodus 32, I want to look at this story. It's really part of the same scene of Exodus 20 as Moses is receiving the Ten Commandments. Moses is up on Mount Sinai. He's talking with God. He's receiving all kinds of instruction from God. And the Israelites are camped out. They're at the base of the mountain. They're camped there. They're waiting for Moses. And this story that we're going to look at in Exodus 32 happens while Moses is up on the mountain. They're camped down at the bottom of the mountain waiting. Listen to this story. Exodus 32, verse 1. It says, when the peoples, that's the Israelites, when they saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and they said, come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. And so Aaron answered them and he said, take off your gold earrings that your wives, your sons and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So the people took off their earrings and they brought them to Aaron. He took what they handed him and he made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. And then they said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. Kind of ironic, but literally, while God is telling Moses not to build idols, Moses is up on the mountain, God's giving him the law, while he's telling Moses not to build idols, the people at the bottom of the hill they're building an idol. They're making an idol in the shape of, of a golden calf. Why? Why would they do that? God rescued them from Egypt. They saw the miracles. They followed the pillar of cloud during the day, the pillar of fire by night. 
God has led them through the desert. God has been providing them manna to eat. He has provided them water. They have access to the God of everything. Why would they make an idol? Well, we just read it. Did you catch it? Because we just read it. Because it was taking too long. God was taking too long. Moses was up on the mountain, and they're going, we don't know what this dude's doing up there. We thought we'd be in the promised land by now. God has rescued us. We thought he'd get us there by now. It's been a few months. It's taking, it's taking too long. See, the premise of building an idol is God's not giving us what we want. So let's try something else. So we make an idol in the hope that it will give us what God isn't giving us. God, you're, you're not giving me what I want. You're not delivering it fast enough. It's, it's, it's taking too long. I'm unhappy with the results, so I'm gonna build something else. I'm gonna try and capture something else in hopes that it will give me what I want. God, I've tried your way. God, I, I gave you a shot, but you didn't deliver. So I'm gonna try something else. You, you weren't fast enough, God, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna try something else. I'm gonna make something happen. I mean, tell me we don't do that all the time. Maybe it's not so overt as building a, a, a statue or, or creating a, a golden cow that we're going to worship. Why cow? Side note, by the way, because the cow was worshiped in Egypt. They're going back to what they know. But tell me we don't do this. We don't, yes, we don't build a statue. We don't build an idol in our backyard. But do you get impatient with God? Do you get frustrated with how things are going? Do you start to maybe even give up on him and, and take things into your own hands? Of course you do. So do I. You know, for me, part of my journey before I came to Faith Church, I was a church planter. I started a church, great church to be a part of. But you know what? Things didn't go fast enough for my liking. I thought after a year or two years, we'd be further along. And so, you know, I'd talk to God. I'd take that to God. I'd ask him about it. I'd pray about it all the time. But you know what? When I didn't get what I wanted, I'd do something different. I'd change direction. I'd start a new ministry. We'd change the sermon, sermon series. We'd do something because we are going to mix it up. We're going to make it happen. It's like, God, okay, I, 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 I trust you, but then when I don't get back what I want, I'm going to grab the reins. I want it back. I'm going to make something happen. I'm surrendering it to you, God, but when things don't happen, no, it's, it's mine again. We, I make some, I'd make some little idol out of some idea. If we do that, if we just do that, we'll get the results that we want. You have any stories like that? Where you asked God to, to help you with something, but then you took it back, right? You just yanked it from him. It's like going, God, I know, that, I know that you're writing a story here, and I trust you. And then you go, no, wait, give me the pen back. I, I want to write that story. Do you have any stories like that? Maybe... You have a relationship like that. God, I trust you, but then you've yanked back control. Maybe you've done that with your career. God, I've paid my dues. I work harder than everybody else, and I'm not getting promoted. 
God, I trusted you with my career, but it's not happening the way I think it should or as fast as I want it to be. So I'm gonna, I gotta make something happen. I gotta go to the next thing. I gotta go to the next job. I gotta, I gotta make something happen myself, God, because you're not giving me what I want. It's not to say that going and looking for a new job is, is a bad thing. But if we start to believe that a new job, a new relationship, that that will give us what God isn't giving us, that that will satisfy us in a way that God isn't satisfying us. If I just had that, that new career, if I just got that new relationship, that would make me happy. That will give me, God, what you're not giving me. Well, God says that's an idol. Israel begged God to rescue them from Egypt for 400 years. And when he did, he's taking them to the promised land. But it wasn't fast enough for them. So what did they do? They built an idol. God, you're not moving fast enough. We're going to try something else. And the irony of it is, if they would have just waited one more day, Moses was on his way down the mountain. God had given all the instruction they needed to safely get to the promised land, this place that God had in store for them. If they had just waited, but they couldn't wait. God was taking too long. I wonder, when God isn't giving you what you want, what do you turn to? When God's not moving fast enough, you're not getting the results that you want, what do you turn to? More sex? More money? More work? More addiction? More popularity? More control? What is that thing that if you had it, you'd be okay? Everything would be all right. Sure, it's probably, it's not a golden calf, okay? For us, that's probably not what it is. But what is it? What's that thing that if you had it, everything would be okay? God says, that is your idol. If I had companionship, I'd be okay. If I had the career that I wanted, I'd be okay. If I had more money in the bank, I'd be okay. If I had the perfect family that I wanted, I'd be okay. If we had more sex, then our marriage would be all right. If I had more control over my future, then I wouldn't be so anxious. If I got into the school that I wanted, then I would be okay. What is that thing that if you had it, everything would be okay? God says that is your idol. That's the image that you've created and you said that thing. More money, more sex, a better image, the right school. That will give me what I need. And it's an idol. And we might not make gold statues. We might not pile up rocks. We might not carve images that we will worship, that we think that will satisfy us. But when we start to build other idols, when we start to believe that something other than God can give us what we want, God says, you've given up on me. That's an idol. And he says, please, please don't do that. I mean, are you starting to see that everything about the Ten Commandments is God wanting to have a relationship with you and with me, everything about the Ten Commandments, it's not a list of rules. 
It's not a list of don't do this, 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 because God is a dictator. Everything about it is God going, I just want to have a personal relationship with you. Last week we talked about God says don't worship any other gods. Why? Because everything else that you worship is going to disappoint you. And God's a good dad. He's a good father. And he's like, I don't want my kids to be disappointed. This week he's going, don't worship any idols. Why? He's going, because you have access to me. So when you get frustrated, when you start to get maxed out, don't go in another direction. He's like, come and talk to me. Don't build an idol. Come and worship and talk to me. When you feel like it's taking too long, come and talk to me. Don't go after idols. See, the problem with idolatry, no matter what kind of idol we build, the problem with idolatry is it always reduces the beauty and the magnitude of God. See, you can worship an animal or the sun or, or whatever, or you can have a personal relationship with the God who made the sun. I mean, you can worship all kinds of, all kinds of created things, or you can worship creator. You can worship money, or you can worship the God who the Bible says owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I mean, you can, you can worship your career, or you can worship the God who gave you the ability to work. You can worship sex, or you can have a personal relationship with the God whose imagination is so great, he invented sex. Any idolatry reduces what God is and the relationship that he wants to have with us. So what do we do? God says, don't worship idols. My heart for this series is not to just read the commandment of don't do this, but okay, God, what do you want from us? What, sh what should we do? If we're not supposed to make idols, what should we do? Flip a few pages in your Bible to Psalm 37. If the reason that we make idols is because God is, is not giving us what we want, we're, we're trying to get something that God is not giving us, and God says don't do that, then what are we supposed to do? Is there something better for us to do? Listen to these words. Psalm 37, verse four says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. I mean, this is completely upside down from the way that we live. Because we go, I want a new job, I want a new marriage, I want my kids to be successful, I want peace, I want to be over this COVID thing and back to normal, I want all these things, and we, and we take them, and we take them to God, and we go, God, could you help us with this? And Psalm 37 turns that entirely on its head, and it says, first, delight in the Lord, and then he will give you the desires of your heart. You see, to delight in the Lord, the word delight there, it just means to rest. Some of you right now are, you're tired because you've been in the season of life that you're currently in for a really long time and you've been trying to be faithful and you've been trying to wait, but it's mentally 
emotionally, physically, spiritually. It's exhausting. You are wiped out and you have started to go to some dark places because you're so tired. I thought I'd have a job by now. I thought the house would have sold by now. I thought I'd feel better by now. And the idea of delight in the Lord, it means to rest. It means to say, ah, okay, okay, God, I trust that this is in your hands. See, the problem the Israelites had is they couldn't sit still. They couldn't just delight in the Lord. They were tired of waiting on God. They, they had to make something happen. If they would have just waited, if they would have just rested, if they would have just delighted in the Lord, God was working out everything they needed in real time. Everything they could have imagined, he was giving instruction for if they'd just waited if they would have just delighted in the Lord. But I hear you. You're going, Brad, that's, Brad, that's really hard. It's really hard just to wait for God, to not get impatient, to not get frustrated. You see, Brad, I, w- I want us just want to start a family. That's all I want is to start a family. And for whatever reason, it hasn't happened yet. And my friends, they're popping out babies left and right. When, when am I going to get to have a family. See, Brad, I just wanna be able to provide for the people that I love. When am I gonna get that promotion? All my colleagues keep getting promoted. When, when's my turn? And it's really hard just to rest in God. I get that. So how do we do it? Well, Paul says something about this. If we're tired, if we're frustrated, if God is taking too long. The Apostle Paul writes in the book of Philippians what I think is our answer. Philippians 4, verse 8, he says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. If there's anything good in your life, if there's anything positive, if there's anything hopeful for today, if you can think of a single time that God has been faithful to you or done something good in your life, Paul says, think about that. Any of the faithfulness of God that you can think about, think of it. Don't build an idol. Look to Jesus who the Bible says is the image of the invisible God. Instead of running around trying to fix everything, you rest. You rest and you think about the good things that God has done in your life. I've told you before, I'll admit it again, I haven't been very patient with this, with this COVID stuff. I've begged God to get back to normal. Probably the best thing about it for me in my just own growth is that I can't fix this. There's so many problems in life that I feel like I can fix, work a little bit harder, make a little bit more money, but I can't fix this. I can't get rid of the virus. I can't keep everybody healthy. I can't get my kids back to school. I can't fix all this. And so I'm forced to just sit and it's frustrating for me. But you know, I can build little idols. 
I can build little things that if I, if I had that, I'd be okay. If I didn't have to wear a mask, I'd be okay. If I knew everybody could stay healthy, I'd be okay. If I could get my kids back to school and normal life, then I'd be okay. But what it's done is it's forced me to just sit. If there's anything that is true, if there's anything that is noble, anything right, pure, lovely, or admirable, anything good at all, Paul says, think about such things. So what do you do when you're tired of waiting? What do you do when God is taking entirely too long? Well, you wait. And God is right there in the waiting. And you rest. And you delight in the Lord. The Bible says that in time, God will give you the deepest desires of your heart. Pray with me. God, it's a hard thing. You know it's a hard thing to wait when we think, when we think things should be happening faster than they are. It's so frustrating. It's so exhausting. God, if we're just honest right now, oftentimes we feel like you're taking too long. We trust you with something, but we thought that you would move it along a little bit faster. God, we confess that we try and grab a hold and take it back from you. Something about normal, something about familiar, something about control, and we think that will make everything all right. Then we will feel okay. God, forgive us of our idols. God, for. Forgive us if there are things in our life that we have said, if I just have that, I will be okay. If it's anything other than you, God, it's an idol. Forgive us. God, tear down our idols. God, help us to wait. There are some of us today, God, that we are in a season of waiting. There are people right now that at the sound of my voice, they are feeling so exhausted, so worn down from waiting. God, help them to rest, to not be anxious, but to delight in you. And God, we will trust, we will believe that in the waiting you are there, in the resting and in the delighting, that you will give us the deepest desires of our heart. God, help us to look to Jesus who is the image of the invisible God. It's in his name we pray, amen.